Well, what an honor to be with you this morning. It's great to be here. Uh, had a wonderful journey down this morning in the rain. Uh, lots of big puddles. Um, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I am rubbish at directions. Um, I'm really poor. Just give me a quick show of hands if you uh, can empathize with me about being poor. Oh, good. A few of you. Fantastic. Like, I'm so poor. Uh, when I first learned to drive, I lived in Burton-on-Trent, and we went to an event in Birmingham, which isn't that far away, probably 40 minutes, 45 minutes drive. Uh, I arrived at the event in Birmingham, a big concert, as people were leaving the concert, because I'd spent so long driving around Birmingham trying to find the concert venue. I'm the kind of driver that when I was with a friend in the car, was on the A1, we stopped at a services, uh, we got back onto the A1, and we continued to drive, and 40 minutes later, we realized we'd gone south rather than north. So 40 minutes later. And then Thursday evening of this past week, I don't know if you're anything like me, but driving in the dark is often in an environment where I'm like, if I don't know where I'm going, it's even more scary. And um, coming down, we were coming down to Wyndham on fr- uh, Thursday evening to spend some time uh, with Barry and Lorraine. And um, it was wet again, dark, and we turned off at Deerham uh, to come across on the back roads uh, from Deerham over to Wyndham. And at that point, I'm literally like, I have no idea where I am. I don't even know if I'm in the UK any longer. It's like literally a foreign, foreign world for me. And um, I just kind of was caught up in this whole thought of how bad I am at directions and how bad I am actually at journeys without being able to lift my head and actually have a greater idea of where I'm going. So last night, as I'm planning to come down here, I'm like, I'm going to get a map. I'm actually going to work out where in the world Wyndham is in relation to where I'm going. So if I have to come off that road, I'm not going to be stuck in the middle of nowhere not knowing what I'm doing. So I now know contextually how to get from Lincoln to Wyndham without um, any problems coming in my way. And today I really want to talk to you about journeys. I felt the Holy Spirit um, say, as I was preparing for today, that actually there is something that he wants to say, and it's been reaffirmed actually through the whole sense of worship, through our time of prayer. I believe today the Holy Spirit wants to bring a word of comfort, he wants to bring a word of counsel into us, he wants to bring a pastoral word into the location here. So I'm putting my pastor's hat on for a minute, it's not one that I wear too often, but this morning I want to speak to you uh, with the heart of a pastor, but above and beyond that, I want the word of God to speak to us with its pastoral leaning. I want the word of God to speak through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning as the counselor, as the one who comforts us. A couple of years ago at Alive, we ran a series called Journey to Joy, where we were looking at the songs or the psalms of ascent. The psalms are uh, the songbook in the middle of the Old Testament and really are the psalms or the songs of a nation. And they stood the test of time. So often our songs of worship reflect the Psalms. We're told in New Testament to acknowledge one another, speak to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So they are the songbook that we refer to so often throughout Scripture. And if you know anything about the Psalms, you'll know that the Psalms have a variety of themes and topics that run through them. I love the Psalms. I am Um, in my former life, a worship leader. And um, so the book of Psalms is an incredible go-to place, a rich resource to hold us to. And I love it because it's so raw and rich. It's so real and authentic. David and many other psalm writers are not pulling back and holding back on the punches when they say life is tough, 
but life is also incredible. This sense of actually, and I love the way David, if you know any of the Psalms, often starts a Psalm with, it's rubbish, and finishes it with, God's amazing, isn't he great? And this whole kind of journey over a few verses that he takes. And um, in the middle of the Psalms are some Psalms, uh, a few of them, that we know to be Psalms of Ascent. These are psalms that would have often been used on the journey and often used by the um, Jewish nation as a journeying towards Jerusalem. They would have been psalms that would have been sung as people were walking. There have been poems that would have been actually used for journeys. And today we're going to look at one of them, probably one of the most famous ones. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn to Psalm 121. Many of you, if you've grown up or know um, the Bible in any way, will know this psalm. It's a psalm that uh, we often quote verses from. It's a psalm that will today be quoted and I believe give us a real idea of where we're heading. It'll come up on screen if you've not got your Bibles with you today. So Psalm 121 says this. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Why don't we just talk about this psalm for a moment? Okay, so this psalm, as I say, is a psalm of ascent. It starts off with this incredible first couple of verses, which um, begin to talk about nature. And as the journey to Jerusalem would have taken place for God's people, they would have faced Mount Moriah. So Mount Moriah is the mountain on which um, Abraham and Isaac went up when God said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. That's Mount Moriah. It arises, if you're a fan of details, because God's in the details, it's actually about, well, it's not about, it's accurately 777 meters high. If you know anything about God and numbers, you'll know how important seven is. And this kind of sense that God's in the infinite, finite details of his creation. Mount Moriah is probably the mountain that is being referred to in this psalm of where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Now it's also fairly sure archaeologically that Mount Moriah is the site of Jesus's crucifixion. So I want you to begin to link in your thinking your Old Testament and your New Testament. So Abraham is asked to take Isaac up the mountain, and of course God steps in with a ram, and um, Isaac isn't had, doesn't have to be sacrificed. But as there is this sense in this psalm, there is a prophetic call. I lift my eyes to the mountain, where does my help come from? I want you to think prophetically in the book of Psalms, what's being said here is I lift my eyes to the one who is the king of the mountains, the one who in former in years to come will be crucified upon this mountain. I lift my eyes to the Lord of the mountains. It's got a really interesting, again, if you're into the way the Bible hangs together, it's got a really interesting literal um, 
form uh, that takes place in these first couple of verses. It's called a chiasm. It's a poetic license thing. And if you're involved in teaching, you may have heard that language before. But this is what happens in the first part of the verse, and we'll get this up on screen. If you can throw the next slide up for me, that'd be really great. No worries. Let's leave that one up for a second. So I lift my eyes to the mountains, partners brilliantly with the next, uh, the fourth line down, the maker of heaven and earth. This whole sense of creation hanging together. So the writer is saying, I lift my eyes to the mountains, and then it's partnered with the maker of heaven and earth. But in the middle of that is another part of this particular um, verse. So I lift my eyes to the mountains, part A. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Part B hangs together. And then A and A, the maker of heaven and earth, comes back to what David's saying in this particular psalm is, I look to creation, but through creation, I am pointed to the one where my help comes from. So this sense of my help doesn't come from creation or the order of things. It comes from the one who is the Lord of creation. It comes from the one who is over all creation. And this kind of beautiful poetic sandwich, nice, this beautiful poetic sandwich takes place of, I look to the hills, but my help doesn't come from there. My help comes from the maker of the hills. For anyone who was journeying through this particular piece of history in this particular time, hills would have been a whole mixture of emotions. So that if contained with them threat, that it contained with them potential ambush, potential um, uh, problems for their journey. It's a place for people to hide, pose threat to them. So this sense of on the journey, we're going to look to the one who is the Lord of that particular mountain. So then we move from that opening two verses to the next five verses, verses three to eight. And this really is a blessing. Okay, so the thinking around this is that what would have happened is the actual voice of this would have changed. It might have been a priestly blessing over, if we can go back to the, um, the psalm and just keep that up, gents, that would be amazing. Um, what would have happened in this is actually the voice would have changed. A different person may have actually said these particular verses. And they do two incredible things in these particular verses. So I want to read them in a slightly different translation. Just, and I want you to become aware of some of the words that creep out in this. So verse 3 says this from a different translation. He will not let your foot be moved. Your keeper will not slumber. Israel's keeper will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at the right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time on and forevermore. I don't know if you pick the word up in that particular translation that is drawing us to, but he is our keeper and he will keep. Now, the Psalms do this incredibly well. Whenever you read a Psalm, if you get some time this week to read through some of the Psalms, reflect upon them. The Psalms take us on the journey often of describing the character of God, what he does. So the Lord is our keeper but then also the actions of our God. So he is known as a keeper, but he keeps his people. So I want you to get an understanding of that. So you can theologically know that God is somebody who watches over you, but also I want you to know that he is the one who watches over you. 
So this sense of I'm not just um, head knowledge. I don't just know that God does that, but I know that God does that. I've experienced that. That's been the testimony of my life, that he has kept me, that he's watched over me, that he isn't just a theological keeper, but he is one who has kept me. I love this. The fact that Psalms point us to the nature, the character of God. He is one who keeps us. But also to point us to the direction of, and that's my experience of him. He has kept me secure and safe. God promises to keep you. God will guard you as you go on the journey of life and as you return home. As you go out and as you come in. As you face the dangers of the day or the night. So that's a little bit of a synopsis for those who love a bit of teaching on what's happening in this psalm. But let's now embed ourselves in the psalm. Let's um, read this psalm as though we are the writers of this psalm. Not many of us on our way home from uh, a live window this morning are going to face Mount Moriah. Okay? If you are, you've gone on a rather long detour. Um, but not many of us are going to face that mountain. So when we read that text... We're visualizing something that perhaps is foreign to us. Maybe you're trying to position yourself in it. So I want you to now start to read that psalm as though you are in the midst of that psalm. Let's go back to the beginning of it. I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Often in our culture, we speak of, and often in the church, we speak of mountains being those things that we have to overcome. Or maybe mountains are fears. Maybe mountains are things that we're facing. Maybe you're beginning to now think of a mountain in your life. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a relational breakdown. Maybe it's something that you've begun to actually say, as the Lord tells us in New Testament, speak to the mountain and the mountain in faith and the mountain be moved. Maybe you're starting to think, okay, as I look at that mountain, where does my help come from? Now the promise, my help comes from the Lord. I don't know if you've listened to the news over the last few weeks, but there seems to be a mountain in our culture at this moment of time, dare I say the word Brexit, there seems to be something that is a mountain in the UK and in Europe that we are facing, a mountain of insecurity, a mountain of unknowing, a mountain of possibilities for many and a mountain of fear for many others. Even the politicians don't know which side to sit on of that particular mountain. There's a mountain certainly of uncertainty or no clarity. There's something like that in the land, in the very fabric of who we are at the moment. I look at that mountain, but where does my help come from? Well, my help comes from the Lord. But for you, Alive Wyndham, today, there's a mountain. We're all talking about it. We know it is. I'm spending lots of time with a location forum at the moment, and we're talking a lot about the mountain. The mountain is this moment of change and transition in the life of the location. For some of us, that's an opportunity, and we're seeing that as an opportunity where God will lead us into the next season of the life of the location. For many of us, it's a moment of insecurity. It's a moment of questioning. It's a moment of, well, we're not sure how this is going to work out. For some of that, us, that's fearful. You know, actually, what will this look like? We don't quite know where this is going to go. There's a mountain that we are facing as a community together. 
for many of you individually as well, you'll be facing mountains in this season of your life. Okay, for Barry and Lorraine, they're facing a mountain of a big geographical move. There's many questions in and around that for them. You know, what about a career for Lorraine and a job in that particular area? How are their kids going to settle in? What does that look like for them as a family? For you personally, maybe Brexit is causing you some mountains. Maybe your job is insecure in this moment of time. Maybe you don't know where that's going to go. Maybe for you, there's an illness or there's a sickness thing that is your mountain. Maybe, as I said earlier, there's a relational breakdown connection that's your mountain. Well, I want you to embed yourself in this psalm because this psalm doesn't just speak to the physicality of a journey. It's not just telling us this is what people used to do and they used to sing. But this actually speaks now to the journey of our life or our life journey. We can now embed ourselves in this psalm and we can now begin to speak this psalm with confidence over our current life journey. And I believe I can give you a couple of tools of how to do that on a daily basis. We're going to practice one of those tools right now. So we can actually begin to pray the psalm. Whenever we begin to pray, one of the great foundations of our prayer life is the word of God. If you're just praying from something you're thinking about, can I encourage you to begin to open the scriptures and begin to open, and psalms are a great place to start, open what God says and begin to pray those words out because we don't have to form what God's saying about those things we've got an incredible resource at our hands in the word of God to allow us to voice what God says about it so we're going to do this right now okay so we're going to use that first verse and what we're going to do is we're just going to spend a moment of reflection here in the room and each and every one of us is going to name before God a mountain Okay, you might know of something that literally you're facing. Maybe it's a mountain for the nation. Maybe it's a mountain that you know is um, fresh in the news today. And I want you to name that thing. But then we're going to say this phrase out, which is the phrase, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We're going to declare that. So we'll just take a moment. We'll take 10, 20 seconds to reflect on a mountain. Maybe it's a personal mountain. Maybe it's something that you're facing in this moment of time. Great. And now I want you to vocalize this. I want you to say this. Let's say this together, okay? The second couple of lines, my help. Let's read this together. My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Let's read it again. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So visualize the mountain and speak that prayer over it. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. One more time. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So in prayer, what we're doing is we're activating uh, our faith We're beginning to step into a new level of understanding of who God is, and we're praying out scripture. So we're beginning to speak truth over circumstances. I've got a great friend called Dave Bell who walked through cancer when he was 15, and he coined a little phrase of, you know, there's lots of facts that I'm going to face. There's lots of facts that are going to stare me down in this moment of time, but there's a truth 
that is higher. And this, the truth is what Jesus says over my circumstances and my situation in this moment of time. And how do we activate truth? We activate it by the word of God and praying out the word of God. And hopefully a little tool that you've had there where you center yourself in a psalm where you actually start to speak out your mountain and start to say, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It begins to allow you to journey with faith. But the second um, thing, that I, a tool I want to give you as well today, is that Jesus invites us to look up and change our perspective. He always invites us to come up higher. Jesus is in the business of raising us up. Now, as a human, most of my time is spent living in the dust, on the ground. Quite often, my head is dropped looking at my circumstances. I don't know if you're anything like me, but often I'll look at something and say, oh, how am I going to get through that? How are we going to deal with this? But I want to just illustrate a couple of versions, a couple of moments through Scripture where um, Jesus invades the dust and invites people to come on up to see things from how he sees it. The first one I'll I'll draw you to is Revelation chapter 4. You might know a little bit of this story, but John um, is on the island of Patmos, and he is uh, effectively uh, there isolated. He's in a position where he can't really do what he feels he's called to do. He feels that he's in exile. I mean, he is in physical exile. And he's begun to adopt a mindset of how am I going to, move from this place. But he changes his mindset. He adopts a brand new mindset when Jesus steps into his world. And Jesus says this to him in Revelation 4. It says, after this I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So in this moment where we're facing a mountain and we're speaking truth to that particular mountain, there's also an invitation to come up here, and I will show you what will take place after this. There's an invitation to you and I to begin to raise our heads, to begin to raise our eyes, to begin to look to the one who created the mountains, the one who is the Lord sovereign over the mountains and there's an invitation to come up here to begin to see from a fresh new perspective to begin to look to what he has for us in this moment of time now i'm afraid we can't get this up on screen but i found a great poem brilliant we're there brilliant well done guys thanks so much team for sorting that out it's amazing I, um, I found this poem really helpful for this in terms of what often we see with our perspective and aligning it with what god sees I see a mountain, but you see a miracle. I see a wasteland, but you, Father, see a garden. I see dry bones, but you see an army. I see impossible, but you see that all things are possible. I see a seed, and you see a harvest. I see the water, but you see the wine. I see the broken body, you see the body. I see sickness, but you see healing. I see my enemy, but you see my footstool. I see my sin, and you see the blood and the grace. I see poverty, and you see provision. I see my failures, you see a redeemer. I see my inadequacies, you see my purpose. What a great, 
Fantastic. I didn't write it, but it's, it is a great poem, isn't it? You know, and if you can take a photo of it or whatever, please do so, so you can take that away with you. Um, I can more than happy send that to the location forum, and you can get a copy of that. But it helps us begin to understand that God invites us to lift our eyes to what he wants us to see. So there's a physical journey that this psalm is referring to. There's the journey of life, which is more, I suppose, a conceptual journey or life journey for you and for I. But I also believe that this psalm refers to the spiritual journey that every single one of us goes on through life. The Jewish people would often use this psalm at moments of childbirth. They'd print this psalm out. They'd have it in the room for the child as the child grows. Because it's an incredible reminder of the faithfulness of God. It's an incredible reminder of the blessing of God. When we begin to lift our eyes and fix them onto the Lord of creation, then we begin to align ourselves with the blessing that he promises in verses 3 to 8. You see, we too today have to remember that every single one of us are exiles on a journey. Just like God's people were in the Old Testament. Every single one of us has started from a place that was far off from God. And we are on a journey to coming close to him. Every single one of us in this room is somewhere on that journey. Some of us have made a decision to turn from the direction of travel we were walking in and turn and receive the invitation to walk back towards God. But some of us perhaps are not yet made that decision. Perhaps for some of us, we've not yet had that, as the Jewish people in this psalm um, pray as a blessing over childbirth, we've not yet had that rebirth, that new life that's come to us, that decision to follow Jesus. And I believe this psalm is a wonderful blessing over that decision that you can make to turn from the direction that you weren't, were walking in, in a new way, To walk back towards the God who loves you passionately. Who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to take the sacrifice that you deserved. The punishment that you deserved. Because of the sin that effectively we all live in. This, let me read you the promise of this psalm. You see, the promise of this psalm is that when you begin to lift your eyes... We call it becoming a Christian. We call it becoming a follower of Jesus. When you begin to turn back towards who he is. Verse 3 to 8 says this. He won't let your foot slip. He'll watch over you. And he won't slumber. Indeed, he who watches over you doesn't slumber or sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. This is the blessing that we step into when we lift our eyes to him. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. You won't be harmed. The Lord will give, keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. What an incredible promise. 